Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Great, good, awesome. Um, we are not in Colossians, so Natalie, if you want to change that real quick. Um, for most of you guys, I think you might know this. If not, uh, Dwayne was supposed to be up here. We were supposed to walk through how um, what we learned last week then affects like our marriages, our jobs, how we parent. Um, and then Dwayne texted me at about 8 o'clock last night and said, hey, um, my throat is itchy. Um, he usually gets this uh, when, when the weather gets cold. So it's not COVID, just letting you know. But he did want to respect us um, and uh, just kind of the uh, worry about any type of sickness or anything. So he was just like, hey, if you have a back pocket sermon, um, go ahead and get ready. Um, so that was at 8, 8.30, somebody texted us like that, Jordan. And, uh, and then this morning he was like, still feeling it, going to need you to preach. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so what's interesting um, is uh, this morning we had the institutes, and uh, in preparing through the institutes this week, um, I had our class wanting to, or had our class walking through Psalm 1. And so this morning when I got the text with uh, Dwayne telling me he couldn't preach, I was like, well, we're going to walk through Psalm 1 this morning. Um, and I'm going to use my class as a way in which we can sermon prep. So thank you for those in the class. Um, you guys helped me out. And so we're going to walk through, if you have your Bibles, we're going to walk through Psalm 1 this morning. Um, the beauty of, you know, what happened this morning, um, what happened last night in and how God has blessed us is, I, I truly believe as we open up his word that um, there are things that are going to edify us and grow us, uh, even in the midst of what we would consider chaotic or just kind of a curveball, right? Uh, we try to say this a lot, and I truly believe this is um, absolute truth. Where, where ideal is lacking, grace abounds. And I think that this morning, um, and I'm praying that this morning, God's grace would abound upon us. Um, as we open up his word and kind of have a different um, sermon than what was supposed to come. Is that me? That might be me. All right, let me change this real quick. Man. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Cool. Well, a lot of things happening, right? Um, let's go to the word. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we can jump into his word. Uh, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the beautiful words that we just sang, that the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason that we are alive in you. Lord, your word tells us that before Christ that we are dead in our sins, that we are enemies hostile in mind towards you, but because of the grace that you have shown to us in Christ, we are now made alive. And that living, Lord, helps us have delight and joy in this world where others might not find that same happiness and joy. And so as we look at Psalm 1 this morning and look at what it means to be a blessed woman or a blessed man, Lord, I pray that you would continue to reveal that grace and that mercy that you've shown to us, continue to reveal more of yourself so that as we open up your word, that we, um, as this psalm says, we can delight in you, that we can meditate on your instruction day and night and that we can become like the tree here that's planted in streams of water, 
And that whatever season comes, Lord, because we are rooted in the great I am, we can have assurance and safety and know that you are for us and you are with us because what you have done for us in Christ. We praise you for this truth. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So Psalm 1. Um, the main point that I want you guys to see in this passage uh, is this. Holiness leads to delight. Holiness leads to delight. Now, one pastor puts it this way, if you aim for holiness, you'll get happiness, or you'll be able to delight in this world. But if you aim for happiness, you'll get cynicism and sarcasm, which is what we're going to see here this morning. So if you aim for holiness, you'll get happiness. If you aim for happiness, you'll get cynicism. So let's look at what David has to write in Psalm 1. And if you'll notice, uh, I think that I don't often highlight this, but the, the beginning of this text, the, the heading, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, is a good reference for us to understand what we are looking at, the comparisons of the two men and or women in this passage, the blessed man and the wicked man. So David writes this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." Now, what do you think about when you hear the word happiness? Anyone? Contentment. Contentment? Good. Friends, family. Friends, family, yeah. Anybody else? Nobody else is happy? Okay. <laughs> say Christmas? Nice. It's good. It's awesome. <laughs> Gifts. <laughs> Well, happiness tends to be, in this world, uh, a chief end of man, right? For a lot of people in this world, happiness and the feeling of pleasure and delight are what they strive for. That's why there's an overabundance of drugs, and not just Ill illegal drugs. I'm talking about drugs that try to calm our anxieties that we overdose on, or um, drugs that make us feel happy. And I'm not trying to knock any type of medicine that can be used to help any anxiety. It's not what I'm getting at. I, what I'm trying to focus on is the overuse of these things. We have a, a lot of people striving to have what we would call um, keeping up with the Joneses, right? We have people going into massive debt because they feel like happiness comes from stuff, and again, stuff is not wrong. These, stuff is gifts of God, right? Homes, cars, things that we have are gifts that God can give us. But again, it's that overindulgence of things. So our world teaches us that happiness only comes from fill in the blank. It can even be a mindset. Happiness comes from how I feel or what I'm thinking or my truth can only lead to 
my happiness. But the Bible paints a different picture of what happiness looks like, right? The Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, gives us this word, blessed. Now here, David is starting the book of Psalms in a way of showing us this is what wisdom looks like. This is what a blessed man or a blessed woman looks like. This is what true happiness looks like from the Word of God. You see, being blessed isn't some state of happiness, but a deep abiding joy that is founded on the solid rock of Christ. That in any and every circumstance, we can have joy because our trust in God is firm. This is what David is trying to teach us in Psalm 1. It's also what Jesus teaches us on the Sermon on the Mount, right? How does he open his first sermon in his ministry? Anybody know? It's eight little verses. Blessed are, right? The Beatitudes. But how does that sermon end? Jesus ends that sermon by saying, those who hear my words and take them in, they are like a house built on the rock. So when the storm comes and the rain and the wind seek to knock it over, it's able to stand. But then he gives the contrast. And we see even this blessed man, blessed woman imagery in his Sermon on the Mount, that the house who is built on sand crumbles. And so this man who builds his house on the rock, who builds his house on Christ, has a firm foundation, and this is what abiding joy looks like, is being able to withstand any storm in any season because of Christ, because of your deep abiding trust in Him. Now, that isn't to say that life isn't going to be hard. That isn't to say that you aren't going to go through things that seem very tiresome, that bring anxiety, that bring depression, that, that bring all of these different feelings and emotions, trials and tribulations. But abiding joy is not dependent on circumstances. Abiding joy is dependent on Christ, who we worship. So this is David's opening for the book of Psalm. He says, blessed is the man. Now look at verse 1, because I want you to see that there are lists in which he puts the blessed man. And this list is based on he does this and he doesn't do this. He starts off with the negative. He starts off by saying, blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. What does he say here? He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So if you write in your Bible, I would love for you to circle those things, not, nor, and nor. Because it's important to see that the blessed man doesn't do this. He doesn't walk, he doesn't stand, and he doesn't sit with the world or the wicked. But what David is trying to give us an image of is a holistic lifestyle. Right? When David is writing that the blessed man doesn't walk with the wicked, what he's saying is the, the blessed man doesn't allow his life to be transformed by the wicked or the world. This image of walk here is what we think about, what we allow our minds to be controlled by. 
And you'll start to see this pattern of walking downwards, right? Walk, sit, walk, stand, sit. You're eventually walking, and then you're standing with the wicked, and then you're sitting in agreement with them. So this imagery is of a whole person. Now, he also says that they don't stand in the way of sinners. This word way is not like, well, somebody's coming towards me, and I've got to stand here so that they don't get through and sin. That's not what he's saying. What he means by this is the way of sinners is their lifestyle, is their behavior. So the blessed man doesn't conform by his thoughts, but he also doesn't allow his behavior to be conformed by the wicked or the world. But he also goes on to say that he doesn't sit with the scoffers. He doesn't become a cynic. He doesn't allow the world to change his mind, to change his behavior, and then he doesn't allow his lifestyle to belong to the world to belong to a happiness that is only fleeting, that becomes more like cynicism when you start to see all the things that happen in this life. So the blessed man doesn't walk, he doesn't stand, and he doesn't sit. But again, he doesn't allow his thoughts to be captured. He doesn't allow his behavior to change or be transformed. And he doesn't belong to a wicked or dying world. But here's what he does do. Verse 2 says, He delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here, right? This blessed man doesn't allow his lifestyle, his whole being to be conformed by the world, but he lets his whole being be conformed by the word of God. He delights in the word of God. This word delight is just as it sounds. He's happy. He finds pleasure in the instruction of the Lord. So much so that he thinks about it day and night. He meditates on it. You see, his delight comes from pursuing what God has commanded. It it really is. His delight comes from pursuing holiness, is what we would call it today, right? Right? Pursuing the things that God has called good and getting rid of the things that God has called bad or sin. And what's interesting here is this word meditation, or he meditates on God's word day and night. For us, we tend to think about meditating as kind of like yoga, right? Where we come in and we're meditating and just trying to empty our minds of the things of this world and, and trying to get into a zone. Anybody think like that when they hear meditation? Yeah? So it, what we are supposed to do is similar. We are supposed to rid our minds, but we're not just supposed to rid our minds for ridding our minds' sake. We're supposed to rid our minds of this world. And what does Romans 12, 2 say? Tra- be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? Do not be conformed to the pattern of life or this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so this is what David is talking about, is as we meditate on the Word of God, it is changing who we are. It is changing our whole being. It's it's changing the way we think. It's changing the way we speak. It's changing the way we act towards one another and act towards ourselves. Because the Word of God is what our lives are rooted in. 
It's what we delight in. We delight in the Word of God, and we meditate it, meditate on it day and night. And this day and night isn't just a, I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to go to bed, and before I go to bed, I'm going to read some more of God's Word. Those are good patterns. I would recommend doing that. But what this day and night means is, again, this whole person, their entire lives are wrapped up in the Word of God. If you cut them, their blood flows out, and it's the Word of God. That's a weird imagery, but that's the type of image that David's trying to give us, right? And we see this throughout Scripture. The Old Testament, Moses gives a command to the Israelites to have the Word written on their hearts, David writes in the Psalms that he has the word written on his heart so that he might not sin against God. John 15, Jesus tells us that those who know him obey his word, and his word is within them. And so this understanding that David is saying here of day and night is not just, again, waking and going to sleep and you're reading the Bible before those things or after those things, but again, it is the whole person, the blessed man, his entire life is rooted and wrapped up in the Word of God, and he delights in it. So I want to ask you a question this morning. As believers in Christ, would you say that this depicts you? Now, I'm not trying to like get up here and scold you because my answer is going to be yes and no. There are good seasons where, man, I, I love reading God's word. And then there are seasons where it is hard, right? And we should expect this. Like Paul tells us in the New Testament that our, the war is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual things. And these spiritual things fight and war against us to get in the word of God. But I promise you, Because the word tells me, the word tells you that when we are consistent and actively pursuing what his word says and pursuing the instruction he gives us, there comes great joy and great delight. And so if there are ways in which you need help or more accountability in getting in God's word, then come talk to me. Come talk to your community group leader. Get into some type of group where you are opening God's word together. Because this is the book of life. This is where you're going to find a deep abiding joy. David goes on to then say, this is the characteristic of the blessed man. He gives this imagery of a tree. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. You see, he gives this image of a tree planted by good streams. And that stream for us is the Word of God. That when our lives are rooted in the Word, we prosper. Now, don't hear me say that we prosper in a monetary way. We prosper in a healthy way. What prosper here is driving at is that in any and every season, we have good fruit. That the fruit that we have reflects where our roots are driven into. 
One of the things that I've learned in biblical counseling is this idea that our lives are trees, that our life itself has different seasons that we have to go through, right? If you think about a tree, whatever you might think of, I, I tend to think because I'm from Florida, I think of a palm tree, right? And those palm trees, they go through hurricane winds and they're able to withstand certain types of seasons. And man, it is hard to take a palm tree down. I, I kid you not. It is hard. And it's because its roots are planted in such a, in such a way that it finds its source and its strength deep down. Now, not too deep because it spreads out, but anyways. It's, it's rooted in a good stream of water that allows it to maintain during any and every season. And such is our life, right? If our life is a tree, what, where are our roots? So that when the storm comes, or the drought comes, or whatever happens to us, the fruit that our tree bears reflects where our roots are driven into. And David gives this imagery of the blessed man who delights in the law of the Lord. His roots are planted in that good stream. But he also gives us a contrast, right? He, so now he starts to talk about what the wicked look like. And he says in verse 4, the wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So here's a comparison, right? David talks about the blessed man and is like a tree who's planted by streams of water that roots are built into that. So when the storm comes, the tree doesn't get knocked over. But then he gives the imagery of chaff. And if you're familiar with chaff and wheat, right? Chaff looks like grain, or it looks like the seed that you're supposed to keep from the wheat stalks. But when, especially during this time in Israel, when they would want to get the wheat and the seeds out, what they would do is they'd throw, the, throw it in the air. And the chaff, which was light and worthless, would be blown away by the wind. So you can start to see the comparisons of these two images, Right? The blessed man is rooted, he's secure, he's steady, his roots are in a stream of life. And the wicked is like chaff being thrown in the air and tossed to and fro because it's worthless. What's interesting about the chaff, it, it, it appears to produce something good, but it can't. So you start to look even at a as the Bible would depict, a wicked person, someone who is not following and delighting in the Lord, there are times where they can look like they are producing something good, but they are like chaff. And that should be a challenge for us, right? If, if we're not delighting in the Lord, our lives can be rooted very shallow, and it can look like we're producing something good, but in fact, we are, we are not. We are producing something superficial. You see, a person of depth roots themselves in God's Word. 
And someone who is not of depth or lives a very superficial life, not rooted in God's word, is blown away, tossed to and fro. And again, this is, it's very interesting to see how the scripture reiterates things. Because this image of being tossed to and fro is again found in the New Testament. Jesus talks about it. James talks about it. We, we have this image of not being rooted in God's word leads us to being tossed to and fro. We allow the world to just shape who we are based on how we feel. So we have this compare and contrast of this blessed man and this wicked man. So I want to challenge you guys on this part here. What are the ways that you deal with disappointment in your life? What are the ways that you deal with hurt or sin or even cynicism? How do you plunge yourself into, again, going back to the Word of God? How are you getting your roots deep? Because I'll, I'll, I'll share a part of my life. And most of you guys know that I um, survived cancer. And by God's grace, I'm here this morning. But one of the things I learned in that season is once you go through something that catastrophic or chaotic, you can fall easily into a bout of depression. And that's what happened to me. I, I walked through cancer. I started to get better and last chemo rounds walked through, and then I started to feel down. I started to feel like I, I didn't know where God was. And throughout my whole season of cancer, I, I mean, in God's word, praising him for the things that he had been doing and healing me, and then all of a sudden this season of depression comes. And I've got journals full of nights where I am just writing, Lord, where are you? I, I don't know where you are. How, how could you leave me after you've walked me through something like cancer? And of course, I, I recognize he didn't leave me. But just that feeling of his presence was not there. And the only thing that kept me rooted and grounded was the book of Psalms. I mean, it was scripture, of course. But every night, I would try to read five Psalms to remind myself and to see God's goodness and gracious mercy towards me. And what I found walking through the book of Psalms for what felt like a year of that depression was that God has shown himself and revealed himself through his word, but also that there were men and women who walked through some of the same things that I was feeling and we're able to cry out to God in that way. Psalm 42 was one of, the, one of, and it still is one of the greatest passages that I have kept dear to me. And it starts as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I see God again? And so I bring this up because when those seasons come, it is easy when we are not rooted in God's word, it is easy to be tossed to and fro. 
by the wind of culture, by the wind of our feelings, our own personalities. And if we are not rooted in deep, abiding streams of life, it's going to be easy for us to become cynics. It's going to be easy for us to just look at life as a scoffer. And so my plea with you guys this morning, because I know that everyone in life is either walking out of a storm, walking into a storm, or in the midst of a storm. My plead with you is to delight in God's word so that you can have a deep abiding joy no matter the life circumstance. So David goes on to say this about the wicked. Because they are like chaff, because they don't have their roots deep abiding in him, he says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So we see the pattern of life for the wicked is that they are not delighting in God. They are not pursuing the things of God. Their roots are not dwelling in the streams that is God's word. And because of that, there comes an end. There comes judgment and perishing. And so that's a warning to us, not only for our own lives, but also for the lives of those God has placed you around. I mean, this is, as down as this verse can be, it's, it should be an evangelical call to you all, to us, that those who are not finding their delight in God and their happiness in Him are going to perish. They're going to receive judgment because this is what the Word of God says. This is, we see why God would show us this in His mercy and grace so that we then can go and share with others the happiness and joy that we have received. So our ability to walk through different seasons of life is not just for ourselves, but as first and second Corinthians show us, it's for those who are walking around us. There is a purpose for the seasons of life that we walk through in order for us to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ and the happiness and joy and the blessedness that we have received in him. So I want to challenge you to read this verse in light of those who are not walking in the abiding joy and the delight of God. You have been called, as Jordan shared this morning, out of the darkness into the marvelous light, and we are called to take that marvelous light back into the darkness. And as Charles Spurgeon says, if there is hope in someone's lungs, if there is breath in someone's lungs, there is hope to be had for their lives. And so I hope that you would take this challenge seriously. And it's not just a challenge, it's a command, right? What does Jesus give us as a command before he leaves the earth? To go and make disciples. And disciples start with an understanding of who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. That we were once alienated from him because of our sin. And the only way in order to be reconciled back to him is through a sacrifice, and that sacrifice comes through the perfect, righteous life and death of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are called to share. That is the light of the gospel. And finally, I want to give some assurance and comfort from David's words here this morning, specifically to us as believers, but also as we share this beautiful truth. Verse, says, verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, 
but the way of the wicked will perish. So again, here's that compare and contrast. I've already just talked about the way of the wicked, but I want to talk about the way of the righteous. This word know here isn't just a knowledge that God's like, hmm, I know Josh. He's a good guy sometimes. It isn't, it isn't just that. It's an, it's, a knowledge, it's an intimate knowledge of who we are. As believers in Christ, we have received not only Christ's righteousness, but we've also received his presence through the Holy Spirit. And so this understanding of God knowing the righteous is an intimate knowledge that God knows you, he cares for you, he delights in you, because you are his child. You are his son, you are his daughter. And again, this brings us and should bring us assurance and comfort and joy, even in the midst of those unsteady seasons, because of the God of the universe is mindful of you, as David tells us in Psalm 8. And I think sometimes we overlook this truth for whatever reason, I don't know. But to find comfort and joy in knowing that God knows you. And the beautiful reality is he knows you as you are. He doesn't know some future version of you. He doesn't know how you're going to get cleaned up. And he's like, well, I like them now because I know what they're going to be. God knows you for you. He knows the sinful desires that you still battle. He knows those deep down things that you don't want to share with anybody. And yet he still chose to save you despite you and and in spite of you. And that beautiful reality and truth is what we have as sons and daughters of God. That's the stream that we can root our lives in. That the God of the universe knows us and he cares for us and he delights in us. Again, going to Jesus' words in John 10.10, I know them and they know me. And as I was told this morning, this beautiful reality, God knows us. Not, he doesn't just know us in this knowledge, but he, he chose to know us before anything. Ephesians tells us that before the foundation of the earth, God chose us, and he makes us righteous in this knowledge. And he delights in us because of that righteousness, not because of something that we have done or will do, but because of his good mercy and grace. How freeing is that? That our works don't cause God to delight in us, but that God delights in us because he's good, because he's merciful, and because he's gracious. And so this morning, I'm going to close out with a couple of questions. And then we're going to take communion and celebrate the reality of being sons and daughters of God, that he, he knows us, that he calls us his own. So the first question is this. Where have you let cynicism rule or reign in your life? Where have you let cynicism or scoffing rule in your life 
or even begin to dig roots in your life. I don't know what you're walking through this morning. Some of you may be in here, I'm like, I'm not a cynic. That's great, praise God. <laughs> I, but I'll be honest, in my own life, there, there are times where I'm just, I just, like Sarah, you know, in the Old Testament where God comes to Abram and says, I'm going to give you a son, and Sarah's like kind of off, off in the background, and she laughs, and then God's like, why did you laugh, Sarah? And she's like, I didn't. Oh, what? But like we laugh, right? We have this scoffing attitude of God's goodness and mercy. And we allow that to rule or we allow those roots to dig deep. And we become a cynic towards God instead of resting in his mercy and grace. So we don't believe that he's going to provide what he's provided, even though he's provided for us countless times. Where have you let the roots of cynicism begin to dig roots in your heart? Second question is, how is your delight in God's Word? How are you delighting in God's Word? And that, that phrase there of God's Word is His instruction. Just to put it like this, how, how are you pursuing, how well are you pursuing holiness? And if you need help to pursue holiness, man, there, we've got avenues, we've got ways to, to help. So let's get after it, right? The pursuit of holiness is an active discipline that we need to have in our lives. Paul even goes on to say that we are, we are to make war with our flesh and our sin that's still in our life. How are we actively doing this? And then finally, how does the truth that God knows you change your circumstance? How does the truth that God knows you and loves you and delights in you, cares for you, change your circumstance right now? How does it battle your anxiety? How does it battle your fear? How does it bring you deep abiding joy? Because the God of the universe knows you and he loves you. So we are going to go ahead and celebrate communion this morning in that reality, in that truth that the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for us to cover our sins and to make a way in which we are reconciled with the God of the universe. And his body was broken for us on the cross as we sang this morning. And so his life, his death, his resurrection is for us in such a way that it reconciles us back to God. That he now sees us as righteous. As the verse we quote often, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. And because of that, we now have his righteousness for those who are in him. And so this is how we celebrate communion. This is what we celebrate communion for every single week, is that reality of who we are as sons and daughters of God because of what Christ has done for us. And so I'm going to close us in prayer. 
And then we're going to celebrate communion together. And then we're going to worship the Lord in song. And guys, I, I hope this morning that the Holy Spirit worked in different ways in your life. I, I hope that you guys might have come in ready to hear how the Bible speaks to your marriage and you got challenged on how to have delight in God's Word. Because in reality, how you have a good marriage is by delighting in God's Word. Right? How you parent better is by delighting in God's Word. How you are good, a good employee or wherever sphere of life that you enter into is by delighting in God's Word. And so hopefully this is a setup for next week. Right? And it challenges you this week to get into his word, to delight in it. And, and now I'm kind of going on a tangent because I don't want you to have this like weight of, oh man, I, I, I don't even know where to start. Start in Genesis, in the beginning. See the reality of who God is and creating all things. And start small. Start small and just be consistent. One of the phrases I have in my house written on my chalk wall is embrace the ordinary and pray for the extraordinary. Embrace the ordinary of just getting into God's word and trusting that his word will do what it says in forming you into a blessed man and a blessed woman. I'll close with that before I go on any other ta tangents. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for, even in times of what might seem like chaos, Lord, you, you come and you show us your goodness and your righteousness and your mercy and your justice. All of these things of who you are wrapped up through your word. And so, Lord, I, I pray for us this week that we would take serious the command to delight in your word. That we can be blessed men and blessed women because we find joy and hope in your word. Because we know that your word ultimately reflects who you are and shows us your nature and your character. And in these attributes, Lord, we can praise and we can worship. Lord, reveal to us where any cynicism has begun to root itself in our hearts. Reveal to us areas that we might not trust you because we're scoffers. Help us to confess that sin to you, Lord, so that we too can trust and hope with deep abiding joy. And Lord, help us to go into this world sharing this abiding joy, sharing this happiness that we have found in you, sharing this truth and reality that we have, that we have a God who loves us and died for us in order to reconcile us back to himself in a world that is full of insecurities, finding their happiness in anything and everything that they can get their hands on. Help us to be a light. Help us to be a light in dark places, Lord, so that the kingdom can grow, so that your name can be worshipped, 
and that others can find and know this abiding joy that you give. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at